previously on Film Code. Nick gets his revenge on Phoenix by using his own code word against him. What types of, of bodies of water are there, right? There's oceans, there's lakes, there's rivers, there's streams, there's bays. Michael Bay was the director <laughs> oh, oh of God. this movie. The, it was in 2016. The lead of this movie was John Krasinski, and he was in uh, Monsters Sweet. University, which I would, would, which I would not call iconic, but he was in uh, Shrek the Third, Monsters vs. Aliens. Um, yeah, so he was in in some good. The All American comes from producer Scott Gardenauer, who direct, who was a producer on Pain and Gain, which. Last, oh, come on. <laughs> which last week our code word was America. And Nathan and I both guessed Pain and Gain. So this man was a director on Pain and Gain in all American film. So yes. this movie oh, is. That's vengeance right there. Yeah, the movie is 13 Hours The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, directed by Michael Bay. Wow. So there is the code word. If you're following along and you're like, wow, that was way too hard. How did you expect us to know that? This was an outlier because <laughs> Phoenix did this to himself. <laughs> Great revenge by Nick on putting pain and gain in there. Produced. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. That so, was good. That was good. Um, I love normally, it. they are not that hard, but Phoenix <laughs> you know, cut, us, cut us off at the ankles last week. So we had to hurt him back. This week, it's Nathan's turn with a brand new code word. The code word is women, 2014 to 2019. Two people in this movie have won Oscars for their performances. Mm -hmm. Three separate people have been nominated for Oscars for performance, but did not win Ooh. and do not have an Oscar. One of those people that I just mentioned is a supporting character in a phase three MCU movie. Will they finally be able to end the drop? Plus, the guys review two 2021 new releases, The Dig and Malcolm and Marie. Find out how they feel about all that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. Great episode for you today. I'm joined by three fantastic co-hosts. We got two movie reviews. This is gonna be a blast. Thank you so much for clicking on the episode. Phoenix, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, Nathan. Sorry, my audio just went out real for a second there. Uh, I'm really good. Good to see you guys. Happy to be back. Ready for another episode. Excited to talk about two movies today. So uh, should be fun. Absolutely. Well, we're glad we're we're ready. Sitting right next to me, Nick. Nick, what's up? Nothing much. Excited to talk these two movies. Been waiting, been waiting all day since we watched one of these movies to, to talk about it. KJ knows. KJ knows. 
Yes, and and as Nick just mentioned, we welcome back great friend of the show, KJ. KJ, what's up? Welcome back. Hey, how's everybody doing? Excited to be back. Um, excited to talk these two movies with you all. Uh, nice and brisk day up here in Ohio, so I'm glad I could be inside talking to you. Are you normally outside talking to us? Every once in a while, I might step outside just to get some fresh air, you know. <laughs> all right, great, great. Well, like everyone mentioned, we are talking two movies today, so you're spoiled if you're listening. No, I'm just kidding. But we are reviewing two movies. The first is Netflix's Malcolm and Marie. You are by far the most excruciating, difficult, stubbornly obnoxious woman I've ever met in my entire life. I fucking love you. Oh, he's so sensitive. He's romantic. But he's sweet, right? Well, I mean, yeah, when he's not being an emotional fucking terror. Oh. <laughs> I love the way you see the world, Marie. Mystery. The unknown. It's what supports the tension of a relationship. You're angry. No. The what if factor. Marie. Marie. What if there's someone who loved them better? Give me your pain. Give me your sorrow. Tell me what hurts. I will carry you. You know what, Malcolm? I feel like once you know someone is there for you and once you know they love you, you never actually think of them again. It's until you're about to lose someone that you finally pay attention. Well, what is it, Marie? What do you want? Really? Do you want to go there? Yes. Okay. I will carry you. I will carry you. You want control because you can't imagine the reason I'm with you is because I love you. Everything that you've been through, everything. That's what made you you, the girl that I love, the girl that I fuck with. I will carry you. All I wanted tonight was thank you, Malcolm. That is it. You know that I'm thankful. You know that I made a mistake. So why turn it into something more? Because it's about how you see this relationship. Look at me. I'm the last person standing. I will carry you. Hold on to me for dear life. Starring John David Washington and Zendaya, directed by Sam Levinson. This movie got a ton of buzz, primarily because it was the first true movie filmed in quarantine. And if you've seen it, you can kind of tell that because it mostly takes, well, not mostly, it all takes place Ooh. at one location. Um, it, it's, it's a very easy script, I feel like, to film as compared to others. So... Also, with, with only two actors, you don't have to test a whole bunch of people. But it, this movie, at least no matter how you feel about it, is an achievement for film by being the first movie filmed in quarantine. So it's Netflix's Malcolm and Marie. We will talk spoiler-free for the first few minutes, and then we'll let you guys know when we break that seal. 
I know how everyone on this panel feels about this movie, which is why I'm going to start with Phoenix. Phoenix, <laughs> give why us. Why would you start with me? I don't know how any of you guys feel. Give us your thoughts on this movie. Spoiler uh, free. Okay, so if I got to be the one to look like an idiot then. All right. <laughs> I never said that. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be the odd man out here, but that's all right. So Malcolm and Marie. Um, I really like this movie. Like I like not like I I actually genuinely love this movie. Um, I think it's incredible what they did. Like you said, filmed during quarantine. It's only a two-person cast, very skinny crew, like a 22-person crew, um, and and a very simple script. You know, it's a one-night argument, <laughs> right? And uh, I just love it. I love the way that it's shot. The black and white is really good. The tight direction is amazing. And then you have two incredible actors just deliver such a strong performance on, on what they're doing. So I dug it. I dug the hell out of it. This is a, this is a great film for me. All right. KJ, you and I talked about this movie last night. I know that you maybe aren't as high on it as Phoenix is. So why don't you uh, give us your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think Phoenix pointed out some some things that I also liked about it. Um, some technical things, uh, some of the acting, the actor, the actress was uh, wonderful, of course. Like we know what they can do. Um, thought it was unique, most definitely. Uh, but those things just really don't hold up in my eyes uh, and making it a rewatchable movie by any means. Um, thought the movie was was very heavy um, and very long. Uh, and it was only an hour and 40 minutes. So if an hour and 40 minutes feels extremely long and there are movies out there that are three hours long that don't feel as long as this movie, I think that's saying something. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phoenix. Well, how, how do you think, before we get into it, how do you think Nick and I feel? And I will tell you, we agree, so. Yeah. Um... I knew the minute after I watched it, you guys would hate this movie. <laughs> so surprise me. But All I right. know for a fact, I know for a fact, without question, Nick hates this movie. <laughs> oh, oh, Nick, yes. Nick specifically. Nick okay. specifically. Right, go ahead then. I do not like this movie. I knew it. <laughs> I I mean, like, like you guys have mentioned, the 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 filmmaking was fantastic. Everything to do with making the film was great but this is and i'm not going to take nathan's line i'll let him say it <laughs> this is a movie of two extremely toxic people dragging each other through the mud <laughs> for two or for an hour and 40 minutes there's no way that two people are this flawed where they can find this many flaws in people it's just there's too toxic it's just not enjoyable it's not fun <laughs> I gotta ask Phoenix, why did you know specifically that Nick would not like yeah, it? Yeah, really. What? The why heck, why not? Why not both of us? I'm just curious. Well, I know, like, there's a there's a moment in the film. Um, I don't want to get too too specific, but That's there's fine. a moment there's a moment in the film where it seems like things are calming down, and then Zendaya herself like raises the tension. And I, I just remember, like, you know, I know Nick hates Emma. Nick hates, uh, <laughs> there's another movie that Nick hates where, like, someone does that. 
And it's just like, I just feel like, yeah, like at that moment, Nick was like, oh my fucking God, why would you do that? So like, that's, that's where I was like, well, yeah. It, it's more it. of, again, it's more of what I said, dragging people through the dirt for yeah. two hours, which I'm just not interested in. Like <laughs> really come up with something more creative. Well, as, as for my take, and, and like I said, Nick and I do agree on this movie. We watch pretty much everything together. We talk about it, what we watch. Um, but this is people fighting the movie. I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't personally see any value in that. I'm not a big fan of Before Sunrise either. I know that's an absolute classic that people love. I think it's a fine movie, but I call that people talking the movie like it's it's the same thing only Malcolm and Marie is fighting like I I get it couples fight people fight but at the end of the day their fighting was so ridiculously toxic <laughs> and hateful and you would think that these two just had the worst history in the world I I, I mean we said several times like if we said this to our girlfriends if we said this to anyone <laughs> oh, like one of the first few things they said, oh, it'd be over. Like, I, I don't, we can get into problems. We can get into to Phoenix things you loved about the controversy and everything like that. But at the end of the day, yes, the cinematography is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. The acting is incredible. No one's denying John David Washington as an actor. We know we're all big fans of JDW. We, we know him from, from Baller since the start. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and Zendaya too, Zendaya is an absolute talent as well. No one's denying that, but at the end of the day, that only gets you so far. I'm not going to give a movie four, five stars because it looks pretty. Like, I, I'm just not going to do that. At the end of the day, I don't want to see people fighting the movie. I just don't. So that's, that's my spoiler free thoughts. Um, right now we're going to break the seal. If you have not watched Malcolm and Marie, go ahead and stop it here. If you have, we are breaking the seal. We're talking spoilers for Malcolm and Marie on Netflix. So, Phoenix, I'm going to start with you once again because, obviously, you're the positive one here out of the three of us on mm -hmm. this film. So, tell us what you loved about it. Okay. So, um, I think the thing that really struck me is uh, I know you guys use the word toxic a lot. Um, I can't really agree with that, uh, definition only because, um, what do you mean you can't agree? I can't, I can't agree. I can't agree. And the reason is because us, Phoenix, <laughs> the reason is because of who these people are. So like you what, have, toxic? no, <laughs> you have one guy, he's a filmmaker, right? That automatically, you know, puts him in a, in a sort of an elite uh, an elitist uh, class and you have a girl who was a former recovering uh, drug addict so that also puts her in a different class so it's to me it's two people who come from different worlds who experience different things who've managed to come together and now they have to really dig deep and figure out exactly what's wrong with them and they're doing it through an argument that they have with each other and while I think yeah, you know what I'm saying? You got a two-person script that's an hour and 40 minutes long. What, what all do you do? I think that their argument, even the multiple times that they have different arguments, they're all valid. They, they make valid points. 
And so I can't look at them and be like, oh, they're, they're toxic people and they should just end their, their relationship. I look at it like, no, they're actually fighting for their relationship. They just want to make it better. And that's, that's where I look at that. So, See, but, and, and I respect all of that. I do. But w- with some of the things they say to each other, <laughs> specifically what comes to mind is, is what he says to her while she's in the tub. Oh, that was brilliant. Like, I just, <laughs> you, you just, you or anyone else can't convince me that, that what they say to each other in certain moments, specifically mm-hmm. the scene I just mentioned is to better themselves. I, I don't, I don't see there, there's a difference between, you know, cutting someone down and gosh, the, the word I'm looking for is escaping me, but uh, telling you something's wrong with you or something you're doing is wrong to help mold you as a person to help you develop to help you change and become better there's a difference between that and that word escapes me it's a pretty obvious one but but whatever i can't think of it and just absolutely go into town on someone and and, and i agree like some of the things they say is is to better themselves and to better their relationship but way too much and i think almost all of it is for the intent of cutting each other down yeah and like i said earlier like dragging each other through the mud being toxic to be toxic like there's no way that anybody is this flawed there's no way that you'd want to be with somebody who would be this flawed if i was with somebody who said those things to me i would be over like i'm not gonna (laughs) no i'm I'm serious like why are you gonna put up with that emotional abuse like that and if they find that much flaw that many flaws in you as a person that you cannot help like those are just things that you can't help. Sorry that, you know, you have all these flaws in their eyes. I'm sorry. I, I just would not be with a person like that. I think I would just, just leave the situation and be like, okay, you think I have that many flaws? Then I'm sorry, but I just think that you are not worth my time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, in my eyes, it, it kind of felt like less of arguing and more of a game. So they'll be in one room and somebody will say something absolutely horrible and then they'll go into the next room and the person's going to be like, oh, well, you got me in the last room, but I'm going to get you here. So I'm gonna this <laughs> and then, you know what? Since you got me here, I'm just going to say something outlandish to you that like nobody will ever be okay with. Um, <laughs> and after that, we're going to like kind of make up, but then I'm going to remember that you said this to me. So then I'm going to up the Andy again and say something else. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. And it was very, very exhausting. I think, <laughs> I, I, I think there is a beauty in what they went for, right? In in certain aspects, there is one thing that I definitely want to talk about, but in some aspects, there's a beauty to it. We talk about the the gorgeous cinematography and some shots are, are fantastic, specifically the ones in the bedroom while they're outside through the windows. I love those shots. The score as well, fantastic. Mm-hmm. There was early on when she's making the mac and cheese, like for their first fight, the, the music is kind of happy and, Mm-hmm. I don't know, like energetic, but it's also tense because you know something's going to happen. So I love that. But but there's no art in trading monologues for close to two hours. There's just not. I'm sorry. Like monologues. I, I disagree. Monologues <laughs> in movies are supposed to be like this triumphant, this powerful, this emotional moment. And to me, every monologue is hurt by the next monologue that comes after. Mm. Monologues, even in books, in in these historical epic you know legendary stories monologues are always the thing that people always talk about 
So whether you're looking at a book or a movie or whatever, you want that monologue to stand out. Well, none of them stand out if you have 14 per character. I'm sorry, they just don't. Like your one monologue at the beginning versus your one monologue at the end, they, they don't matter to me anymore if all you talk is in monologues. I'm sorry, they just don't. Okay, I got to make three specific counter arguments to the things you guys have said. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, KJ, you, you had said something. Jesus, I forgot that quickly. Uh, <laughs> you had said something about, well, let me, let me address the monologues thing first. Okay. Like, so like we said, we got two, two characters in this story. That's it, right? No flashbacks. No other characters are featured because it was shot during quarantine right? That, like, take that out of your mind. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? You shot a movie during quarantine. Congratulations, right? But what I'm looking at is what what these monologues do. It's like, you know how I love movie musicals, right? To me, it's oh, like... Hi, hi. Like La La Land, yeah. Yeah. To me, it's like when people will be like, oh, I hate musicals because they suddenly break into song. It's like, okay, but there's 26 songs in this musical. They got to fit them in and each song drives the story forward. That's what I was thinking of the monologues. They're, they're like songs and dances. They're like trying to move this story along. So like the first argument starts off with how he didn't thank her, right? In, her, in his speech. Then we go into why she, why, um, you know, they're, they're arguing over, uh, you know, the, him yelling at her while he's eating mac and cheese and <laughs> like and his abusive nature his ego uh why he stole from her life and all of that and it eventually winds its way back to uh him not thanking her in his speech and to me like it was just a brilliant executed brilliantly executed way of moving a story forward through monologues no music with two characters and um and KJ's point about, uh, damn it, I just had it. <laughs> KJ, what did you just say? I'm sorry, I forgot. About them playing a game? Yes, thank you. Again, that, that to me felt like that was, that was part of it. It, was, it. it moved with the camera movements, the whole moving from different rooms, the whole arguing in different places. It just, it made the cinematography work. It made the camera work. It made the acting work. It was just really, really brilliantly done. So like it was a dance and a musical, two things I absolutely love, just done in monologue form. So yeah. I just, I, I don't necessarily need flashbacks. I don't necessarily need scenes outside of, of one location. One of my absolute favorite movies is The Hateful Eight, which takes place in, in mostly one location. And is so dialogue heavy. But I just, I don't need to see you dragging people all the time. And it's not necessarily that these two characters are just so unlikable that I can't like the film. I mean, that's definitely part of it, but that's not the whole reason. It's just, you watch films to do a couple of different things. You watch films to either be entertained, to learn something, for it to to take you on an emotional journey. I, I felt like this didn't do either one of these things. I felt like I was the 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 narrator in this divorce settlement. I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, like, and I wasn't allowed to interject. I, I, I don't know. I just, 
it wasn't just that they just absolutely drag each other and cut them, each other down the whole time. It, it's like nothing changed. You knew what was coming. You knew that, that they'd have this giant fight. They'd cool down for a minute or two. You'd think they were going to be okay. Maybe they'd kiss or they'd, you know, get, get into it a little bit. And then they just go right back to fighting. It, it, it was so predictable from that standpoint. Uh, again, I, I, I have to disagree. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I do think that, yeah, you know, probably by the third or fourth argument, you were like, okay, I, I can see where this is going. But I didn't think that it would end the way it did, uh, which I thought was actually really good. I, I thought it would end with someone leaving. Like, I just was like, you know, the, these arguments were ridiculous. They were harsh. They were very, very much like tearing each other down. But when he wakes up and she's still there, to me, that was the, the, them saying like, you know, that needed to happen because now we're better. Like, at least in my mind, I that, mean, that's what that I felt. Mean, I, I've been in a back and forth relationship, nothing like this, but a relationship <laughs> where looking back on it, and I don't know if anybody else has the, the same experience, but I've been in a relationship where it looking back on it years later, I'm like, why were we together for how long we were? <laughs> and that's exactly what this is. Both of them are in the moment saying that they can make this work. But in two years, when they look back on this, theoretically, obviously, they're going to be like, wow, why were we with them for so long? This person was just not good for me. And now I'm in such a better place without them. Like that's, that's how this felt to me. Like it was just somebody who right now in the moment thought that the, it was the best thing for them, but like years down the line, it's not. Secondly is that if this was not a movie and let's just say like I was friends with these people and I was in this house exactly. with them, if they started doing this, I'd be like, okay, you guys obviously are going through some, some deep stuff. I'm a head out. I'm gonna let myself out. I'm a head out. They probably drag you for just saying that. And I would leave, but it's not real life. This is a movie. So I had to sit my ass in front of the TV for an hour and 40 minutes and listen to them drag each, each other. And that's just not ideal. And I, I um, completely agree with, with the friends saying this is obviously hypothetical, but if I was friends with this couple, I'd be like, okay, see ya. I don't really want to be in your life anymore because I don't know. Th these characters too, just also strike me as just too, way overly sensitive people like <laughs> way overly sensitive i feel like you sneeze around them and they're like hey yo what what are you doing hey marie you're trying Did to you get, really just sneeze right now you're trying to get me sick like okay i mean they just seem so <laughs> sensitive i get it he thanked so many people in his speech supposedly and not her his girlfriend his his lover i i get it i can see why that would be a problem but some of the stuff they argue about is some of the tackiest shit and some of the littlest shit that I was just like, oh, my God, really? you are just okay. so sensitive. Okay, like, all right. <laughs> Maybe it's me because I've dated the crazy chick. I don't know if y'all oh. have ever dated the crazy chick. Yes. Like, 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 <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, something about that, I'm like, it just resonated with me. I'm like, you know, like, a small argument will turn into an all night. Right. So, and that's what I'm saying, Phoenix. Like, <laughs> like I've dated somebody who has been psychotic and <laughs> who 
in the moment i'm like you know this this will pass like right. the, the good is good the bad is bad <laughs> but looking back on it i'm like why was i in that relationship for so long also also and this is just a side note because we're in this other discussion i just want to say this so i don't forget when they start yelling at each other like animals like ah yes <laughs> that yeah that's like all right all right see you guys yep. <laughs> that was brilliant i totally agree that's kidding? that's when i had to get up to, that was hilarious that's when i, I had to get that. up to pee like i was like okay i gotta take a break <laughs> like see, no seriously when when she walks in the house great point by the way i totally forgot about that um when jdw is still sitting outside and they're like ah okay really really but, but I loved um, it. I loved it because like at that point they're arguing about why he didn't cast her in the movie, right? No. No, yeah, no, yeah, they this are. Was before is. No, this is this is after. They're arguing about why No, no, no. This is um this is after she gets out of the the bathtub after they after he said what he said then. And they're uh she's what is it? She's saying that yeah, no, this is after that because she said uh She's saying that she would be more authentic than the girl that he cast in the role because she had lived the life. So that makes her want to scream like an animal? No, no, no. See, see, I knew y'all weren't paying attention. So like, like, so she's, uh, they're arguing about that. And he literally, he says, I didn't mean to say literally. He says, you know, authenticity. Like he has a rant about authenticity and what it means and, and what people think it means and why he, he dismisses it because it lacks importance in in film or whatever he has like a, a giant you know egotistical elitist rant about you know authenticity and, and filmmaking which I, I think is awesome and hilarious it's just a, a really great thing and they're talking over each other and that's why that's why they hilarious. yell because it's just they're like they're talking over each other he's making great points she's just cussing him out she's got nothing so that's why she yells at him and it's funny it's hilarious it's a great moment in the also um i just wanted to say <laughs> I was not expecting that Nick's ex and Phoenix's ex would get shout outs on this show, but nonetheless, <laughs> they have shout out Nick's ex, shout out Phoenix's ex. Um, I, would, I would laugh if they were listening. So <laughs> make sure you follow the show over on Twitter. No. Um, so <laughs> anyways, um, there is one giant portion that I want to get to that. I feel like Phoenix and I are just going to butt heads for like 10 minutes about, <laughs> but KJ, it's been a while since we've heard from you. So, you got? Do you have anything yeah, else? Do you have that, any crazy exes, KJ? I'm just, I'm just here taking it in. The movie kind of <laughs> hit close to home with uh, just some arguments. You know, mm. it, it's something that you know, you you see in relationships, and I think that was my first turn off of the movie. <laughs> and then the fact that they argued for an hour and forty minutes, like, yeah, I've been in that situation before, so like, mm, really wasn't for it. <laughs> but their arguments were just like. <laughs> crazy like absolutely crazy it just turned me on it turned me off like an absolute turn off so, <sighs> i'm just here listening to y'all um, <laughs> yeah I, I don't really have much to add at this point in time so i gotta get into this part i'm sure phoenix if phoenix doesn't try to argue with me on this i'm, I'm gonna be stunned um <laughs> but we have to talk about this we have to um sam levinson the director also the director uh. of euphoria yeah um his directorial debut assassination nation got a extremely poor review by mm -hmm. a writer from the la times i believe it was the la times um, <laughs> and that has a lot to do with with malcolm's specific 
absolute dragging of <laughs> critics. And and we can talk about, you know, what he says and what he does and, and all that. But at the end of the day, everyone is noticing this. And it wasn't that obvious to me because I haven't seen Assassination Nation. I don't, I don't really care for Sam Levinson. But everyone is saying this, that the rant that Malcolm gives about critics is exactly what Sam Levinson felt. And instead of trying to, to confront this directly or maybe grow up a little bit, like you got a bad review on a movie, how about you grow up? Instead of doing that, he wrote a character to feel exactly how he felt about it. And like, I, I actually screenshot an article because I wanted to read it out loud exactly on this show saying that, he spoke of Levinson spoke about the controversy on his decision for Malcolm to rail against quote, the white critic from the Los Angeles times. Uh, as many critics noted, um, Levinson's feature directorial debut assassination nation was panned in the LA times by freelance critic, Katie Walsh. When the oh. independent brought this review up to Levinson and asked if it had anything to do with the rant, Sam does that does you getting dragged for assassination nation have anything to do with JDW's rant in this movie? He said, look, it just sounded funny. Every time Malcolm says it, it just makes you laugh. What the, what the fuck was that? What? That's not even an answer. That in it itself is nail in the coffin, yes. So if you're going to sit here, boo-hoo, I got a bad review on my movie, and you're going to write a whole movie, or maybe you're writing a movie, you're like, oh, this would be a great place to throw in how pissed I am at the LA Times and just have a half hour scene of you dragging critics <laughs> because they gave you a bad review. Oh that is, I'm sorry, that's so self-indulgent and repulsive that you should not be making films. I'm sorry, it really is. Okay, uh, you were right on one thing. We are going to butt heads. <laughs> uh, okay. So I've actually seen Assassination Nation. Um, it is a horrible movie. <laughs> I want to just put it out there. It's it's a horrible movie, but it is hilarious. And I could see um, a lot of people. Phoenix that you've yeah, seen this movie. Yeah, I could see a lot of people. It's it's a guilty pleasure kind of film. So it's one of those films where it's like, eh, you know, not exactly great. But if I have people over who've never seen it, I would turn it on just to torture them. Like, like Britney it's, runs it's, a marathon. It's sort of like that. Not 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 as good as Britney, uh, <laughs> but like yeah, it's it's like that. So I didn't know that the white lady from uh, the L.A. Times uh, was an actual person. That's hilarious. Um, so the rent now seems very much on the nose. Like it's very much like direct, and it feels more like an attack than anything. And that's uh, that's why I yeah. feel like it's so immature. And I, I'm sorry for cutting you off. I, I'll let you. Yeah. You say everything you want. But to me, it just sounds so immature. It's just like how Taylor Swift makes her popular songs based off of relationships she's had. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I broke up with someone and, you know, now I'm going to trash them in a song indirectly. It's like that, but on steroids. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, I got a bad review and I'm so mad about it that I'm going to write a character in a movie, just drag the absolute shit out of critics because that's what I want to say to him. And I don't have the balls to say it myself. So I'm going to write it in a movie. Like that just sounds so immature to me. And I think you're right. Because like I said, I didn't know that it was 
<clears throat> it was direct. I didn't know like the attack on the LA Times was an actual person. So yeah, that is very immature. That's that's amateurish, 100%. However, it is awesome in the movie. <laughs> I think JDW nails it. I think it is one of the best scenes in the movie because it's so outlandish. It, right, it really is outlandish. And like, and make no mistake, I haven't made a film that has been seen by a multitude of critics. I have no idea what that feeling is like. If you put your heart and soul into something and someone just beats it over the head and just, you know, it, it, it can be, it can feel very personal. So I get that. And yeah, you you probably do wanna wanna say all of that stuff and I and you should, you know what I'm saying? You should be able to say it, whether you say it directly or you say it through a character, you should be able to say it. My thing was, I didn't realize how on the nose it was. So that's a bit of a point against it, but I still think it was great. I thought it was done well. <clears throat> I thought it was written well. Um, and I love the fact that immediately after that scene, you have Zendaya break it down to him. And even he understands like, oh shit, yeah, you know, you're probably right about that. So like- if Someone needs to break it down to Levin <laughs> and tell yeah. him that I mean, not he, everyone's he gonna like his He wrote both movie. characters. He wrote both characters. So, you know what I'm saying? It's fair, I, it's I fair it. for him to say Look, that. Look, I, I get what you're saying. Like, JDW's a great actor, right? Like, he did a great job, so did Zendaya. He delivered these lines well. Both of them had to carry this movie given they're the only two people in it. I'm not sitting here saying that there's any problem with the movie making itself or how he delivered these lines or what he's saying. Mm -hmm. The fact that it even exists in this movie, <laughs> that you got a bad review on your boo-hoo and you took two years to write it into a movie just to throw massive shade because you got a bad review. And, and like, it's and immature. Like, it's yeah, immature. And, like, and like the smarter thing would be to own up to it, right? That would be the, like, instead of being like, oh yeah, it was just funny, like, no. Like the, the the bigger man thing would be to be like, yeah, I did, I hated that, and I wanted to I wanted to say something about it, like just own up to it, like because like I said, I did not know it was that on the nose. Like I thought he was like you know, like they never they never named the 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 white woman from the L.A. Times. So like I'm thinking, oh, you know, it's a random, you know, you just put a name and a face to it, yada yada yada. But no, there's an actual white woman who works at the L.A. Times who trashed one of its movies. Like that's very direct so like yeah like if if you're gonna do that you might as well just own up to it yeah so i mean like it, it i is, like it <laughs> you yeah. like it okay yeah. I, I mean it was great like like, <laughs> it was located on um it reminds me of something that i would have done a couple years ago like high school to be petty to subtweet somebody um <laughs> or you know to throw shade and it's just like a petty thing. And of course, I didn't know this going into the movie, just found this out now. Um, but I think it adds another aspect to the movie that I like now like. Uh, <laughs> that, like those things, obviously, like he's probably using it as fuel. Somebody makes a critique on you or says something that you need to work on, whatever it is. Personally, that's how I take my stuff too. Like I will, that will sit in my head, that will sit in my brain and I will use that in my future endeavors or future projects, whatever it may be. And that's what he did. Um, I just think it's kind of cool. I, I mean, I want to make myself perfectly clear, right? 
well, with what I'm saying perfectly clear. There's nothing wrong with revenge. There's nothing wrong with throwing some shade. There's nothing wrong with someone dissing you or you feeling dissed and keeping that thought in your head. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is it wasn't a subtweet. It wasn't a a couple lines of dialogue saying like they could have he could have said like, oh, this white woman writes for the L.A. Times. The L.A. Times are trash. They trash me in one of my movies and and I don't like them anymore. Okay, you made your point there, but that's not what it was. It was a 10-minute absolute <laughs> thrash session, and it's just so unnecessary given what it was. If if this situation didn't exist and this was just in the movie, I'd have no issue. But the fact that this is specifically about one incident that he can't grow up from, and, and, and literally, you go on Letterboxd, Go on Rotten Tomatoes. Everyone's talking about this. Yeah. Everyone. So it's 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 disgusting to me. It is. It is. It is like a really. It's extremely petty. But I also think the the critics' response is also extremely petty and and childish and amateurish. Like yes, yeah, so he dragged critics for dragging him. Quit crying. Like okay. Like sorry. Here's here's the tiny violin for you. I don't, I don't care. Like I'm like. Like, the, the, like not not us, but I'm talking about like the other critics out there who are being mad at, at Sam Levinson for this is like, really, really grow up like everyone's being everyone's being a little bit childish about this. Like it's it's a scene in a movie. I mean, One scene talk, in a movie. We talked about and, sensitive. Sam and, Levinson's the most sensitive person in this movie. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, like you're a critic. You don't expect people to drag you for your your criticisms. Really? Like, come on, it, of it's, course. It's more so the fact that he's so bothered by one specific critic and one specific also, article. But he also makes a very valid point about white critics when it comes to black films. And but, that, Sam that Levin, but Sam Levinson- I know, I know Sam Levinson is white and that's, that's hilarious. But like, I mean, he can still have a point about that. Like that is a very specific point. Like. They compartmentalize black films and then try to address it through that lens and they're often wrong. That's that's part of the reason why you see like award shows where there's predominantly white films being nominated is mainly because they have they don't really understand black films or black filmmaking. So like he, he makes a good point, even and, even and, though it is a petty and one. I and I agree with you, but but none of that is real to what ha that's fictitious in in the story in the story yes, yes it's a problem in real life but sam levinson's white this critic was white sam levinson can be shedding light on something that's true like what you just said but that's not true to what happened in his scenario that's the problem true. i mean true. i i feel like we talked enough about this it's just <laughs> it's just something that everyone's saying i had to bring it up and and we can sit here and talk about how it's predictable, how it's a drag fest, how it's people fighting the movie. But at the end of the day, you throw something as childish as that in there and and you're going to turn me off all day. All right. Well, <laughs> anybody have anything else to say about Malcolm and Marie? Okay. Well, let's go ahead and give our final scores. KJ, I'm going to start with you. What is your final score for this film? I will go... Coming into the show, I was gonna have it at one and a half. I'll put it at two. Wow. Mainly just because um, I think Phoenix made a couple good points and things that I might not have uh, seen the first time. Uh, 
the only time that I'm going to watch that movie. Uh, <laughs> but but even with those couple good points, it was not enough to bring that movie above a two. Um, I think it's wonderful what they did with the COVID situation and the great acting as well. Um, but yeah, it'll be an attitude for me and I never watch again. I'm going to go next just because I have that same score of two stars. You know, I respect JDW. I respect Zendaya, both absolute talents. The filmmaking itself, the soundtrack, the black and white, the cinematography was all stellar. But at the end of the day, I just can't stand watching people fighting the movie. I just, there's, I have no interest in that. And for what we just talked about for the last 10 minutes that I'm not going to get into again. So two stars for me, um, huge, huge disappointment. I thought this was a lock to be my best 2021 of the year so far. Here we are a month in and then it's, it's in last. So well, I'll go next since uh, I also have two stars. Um, sucks that KJ doesn't want to come over next week and, and rewatch it, but you know, <laughs> absolutely not bro (laughs) nah 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 there's other shit to watch but um yeah i mean the the cinematography and the the acting and all that filmmaking aspect give it to the two get it to the two star mark but it just it does nothing else for me so i'll I'll be interested to see what phoenix says though uh okie doke uh i am going four stars uh i love this movie I really do. I think it's fantastic. I will watch it again. Uh, the direction, the cinematography, the, the screenplay, the acting, I think it's top notch. It is currently my number one movie of 2021. Obviously, it will not stay there in the heights, baby. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, four stars for me. I really hope that if anybody ever makes me watch this movie again, I can just chug some, some NyQuil and, and go right to sleep because... Put it on mute and just go right to sleep. This is the new I'm thinking of ending things for the show. <laughs> it is. This is the new movie we're gonna we're gonna disagree with hard for, for the next few months. But nonetheless, that's what our, our thoughts on Malcolm and Marie. Let's move on to what's good. Tell people what you've been watching. Um, let's see. I was gonna say Nathan and I finished up OJ versus the people. Yeah, and that was good enough. We could talk about it again. And to that be was, honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's no real under the radar movies that we watched. So I'll go with uh something that Nathan and I binged yesterday. Six episodes in one day. We watched uh one tree hill one of my favorite shows of all time one of the greatest shows ever created but yes sir kj yes sir so nathan nathan was telling me that uh he was getting into it he was like three episodes in i was like oh well let me know like if you're ever ever free i'll i'll like join you for a couple episodes well we sat down and watched six episodes yesterday so it was just a complete binge fest. Six. It was just a complete binge fest. We were joking about how it's going to be at 4 a.m. We're going to be like, ah, shit, we just finished season one. We got to go to bed for film code. So fantastic show. Love it. Six episodes. You were supposed to tell me how, how it was going, Nathan. How's it going, man? You liking it? I mean, I just, didn't you what? just hear? We watched six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but let, give the people some of your thoughts, I mean, it's Nathan. it's yeah. it's been... It's been great. At the point where Nick said, like, oh, let's watch an episode, I was three in, and I was like, 
eh, I'm still waiting for it to get good. Like, because that's been what bad. you call it, right? Yeah, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been bad. It's just like there's no motivation to watch it really. And then, bam! Like it was like a freight train. Couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. Unfortunately, we had to watch Malcolm and Marie in between our six six episode binge, which killed my vibe. And by the end of Malcolm and Marie, I was like, Jesus, throw something on that's actually good. Um, anyways, <sighs> Phoenix didn't like that comment. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I'm going to recommend something that flies under the radar, and that it's is 2015's movie, The Gift. Um, <laughs> Jason Bateman, Joel Edgerton, Rebecca Hall. This movie is just fantastic. I don't think I've ever talked about this movie before. So if you're looking for a good thriller, The Gift, it might be on Netflix. It might not. Um, just fantastic. So The Gift, that's my what's good. KJ, what about you? What have you been watching that's good? Um, Honestly, not all too much this week. Um. I started season 16 of Grey's Anatomy, you know, one of the greatest shows ever created as well. Oh my God. So going through with that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've just been here with one of my friends doing a, a Marvel watch through. So we are on Ant-Man and the Wasp. So headed into uh, some some big ones, some big ones with uh, Endgame coming up soon. So Yeah, and just, just want to throw in, because KJ brought up the MCU, that we do weekly episode reviews of WandaVision. Those drop same day we record every Saturday. So after you watch your episode of WandaVision and you want to talk about it, you want to hear some opinions, make sure you head on over here to Film Code. We do weekly reviews of every episode. Just wanted to point that out. All right, Phoenix, what's been good for you? All right, you know me, watching documentaries. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I recently became a member of the uh, Film Independent uh, group, and they send you screeners of different movies. Um... And one of the movies I got to review, uh, watch, was a movie called Us Kids. It's a documentary about the Parkland kids who uh, experienced the tragedy and decided to do something about it and went on the road and, you know, campaigned against NRA-backed politicians and, you know, fought to overturn a lot of seats in the 2018 midterms. So it was a it was a thrilling, thrilling documentary. Very well done. Uh, an incredible story. Uh, I highly recommend everyone check it out. I'll post my letterbox review sometime today. But yeah, incredible movie, Us Kids. All right. Well, that's been what's good from Film Code. <laughs> our second movie review of the day hopefully this one goes over a little smoother but (laughs) nonetheless it is the another netflix movie called the dig should we take a look at them then things like this are usually done through museums yes but with the war coming they couldn't embark upon any new ventures well i've been on digs since i was old enough to hold a trowel my father taught me What are they? We're standing in someone's graveyard, I reckon. Viking? Well, maybe older. Mr. Brown is an archaeologist. Well, I'm an excavator. 
You've come to dig up the mounds. So you think there's something beneath? Who are those men? They're from the museum. Ye gods! Mrs. Pretty, I think you'd better come and see. Why would anyone want to bury a ship? I'd expect this is a grave of a, a warrior or a king. But there's more. There's much more. War's looming. All hands are on deck to excavate before hostilities begin. The Dark Ages are no longer dark. Everyone's going to want a piece, and this is your find. Why else would you be playing around in the dirt while the rest of the country prepares for war? That means something, doesn't it? From the first human handprint on a cave wall, we're part of something continuous. Life is very fleeting. I've learned that. Would you have dinner with me? Yes. It has moments you should seize. A man could dig the earth his whole life through. Not find anything like I've discovered here. Spirit steady, Mr. Brown. We're coming towards the edge of the atmosphere. You say the word, and I'll dig. We love this title because it's just so much fun. Um, the Dig, starring a, a great trio of Carrie Mulligan, Ralph Fiennes, and Lily James. And this is about a wealthy widow who hires an archaeologist to excavate burial mounds on her estate. And they make a historic discovery and see what unfolds from there. So this actually made my honorable mentions of 2021 most anticipated, which is crazy because it just felt so different and so unique. So, KJ, I'm going to start with you this time. What were your thoughts and feelings on The Dig? Non-spoiler review here for the first few minutes, and then we'll let you know once we're talking spoilers. Fair, fair. Um, <clears throat> I actually just watched this movie, say, less than 10 hours ago. Yeah, 10 hours ago. Uh, so pretty late. Um, that might affect how I feel about the movie, I guess, maybe. Um, overall, just kind of indifferent, like it, it was a movie. Um, <laughs> it wasn't on the level of the last movie we just talked to. I mean, I think that movie might have been better called The Dig, as how many digs they have called. Or <laughs> um, but this movie was, it was, um, actually, it was, it was decent. I'm going to go with decent, not indifferent. Uh, I, I liked how the pacing of it, um, I like some of the interactions and the story behind it. Of course, based on a true story, um, I like how it all played out and, and how they really il illustrated the characters. Um, so decent movie. I will go more so of a fan of it. All right, Nick, what did you think? I, I, we've talked about this a little bit, so I know how you feel, but what does everyone else think? Or what, what you tell everyone oh, else okay, what you okay, think. Okay. Excuse me. Um, so I had a, a pre-interest in this movie. Um, the location that it took place, and they, they mentioned the town a couple times of, of Ipswich in the movie, is actually where my dad lived during his high school days in the UK. Um, his dad was, was Air Force. They moved around. So he lived like 
a few miles away from where the the site was actually being dug up in the the 60s and 70s post World War II. So I already had that kind of like pre-interest in it. And I I would go like a step above KJ's is I thought it was a good film. Um, I thought it was, did a lot of things great or good. Um, Nothing was fantastic or great about it, but I thought it was a, a good film overall. All right, Phoenix. I know that you dug this film. <laughs> Tell us why. Uh, yeah, I actually really did like The Dig. Uh, I thought it was a really sort of serene kind of film, and especially because uh, Carrie Mulligan is coming off of such a impactful film <laughs> like Promising Young Woman. Yeah, you uh, can say that again. Yeah, like so to see her in this role, which was very much more quiet, demure, uh, and but still, like, it doesn't have the tension of most movies, but it, it's still like a, a, it's like a British drama, right? And the stakes aren't terribly high, but you know that it, that they feel terribly high about it. Um, so, but I, I dug it. I thought it was just a very, uh, well done film like it was just well done and it talked about a an aspect of uh history that i wasn't familiar with so that always intrigues me um but yeah like like nathan said i dug it (laughs) yeah so a cast like this especially these headliners are always going to to pull me in especially i feel like this film wouldn't pull a lot of people in if it didn't have these star names at the top. And, and somehow Carrie Mulligan is still very underrated. Carrie Mulligan, Ralph Fiennes, two of the best Hollywood has to offer absolute talents. Um, and they do a great job in this film nonetheless. But to me, I, I'm going to have an issue communicating really how I feel about this. Mm. I didn't think it was boring. I was never truly bored, like get me out of here or anything like that. But I was never really interested or intrigued either by what was going on. And I don't know where that line is to like not bored, but not interested. I don't know. The first half hour, definitely. I was engaged. I was ready to go. Yes. But after they, now, and we'll get into that spoilers. After they hit a certain point, I, I, I just felt like, I don't know. I almost feel like this would have been better as a limited series. The whole point, right, this movie was made was to give credit to Basil Brown, who was the lead excavator, played by Ralph Fiennes. You know, they say that he didn't get credit for this whole excavation process. So this movie, I believe, was with the intent to give him credit. But I almost feel like that could have been more like a limited series than a full-fledged production. Um, this just screams to me something that that would have been better as a documentary, as a four-part limited series. I just don't know why they needed to make a two-hour movie about a subject like this. That's not to say anybody did a bad job. That's not to say the screenplay is poor. It's nothing like that. I just There are some things that just aren't meant to have a full-fledged movie production and i just think this is one of them so we'll go ahead and break the seal right now we will talk spoilers and i'm gonna kick it off i'm sure you're sick of hearing me talk but i'm gonna kick it off actually because that halfway point that i was talking about was after they actually excavate the boat that is under 
all that dirt. Um, and they get in these fight about who's technically in charge. Yeah. After that point, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm, again, I'm not bored. Like this isn't this isn't boring, but I just don't really care. Like I'm not interested. I don't really care what happens. I, I'm not that invested anymore. I'm just kind of watching. I'm just kind of watching this. You know, you know what I mean? I, I don't. Like I said, I'm gonna have a poor time communicating how I feel, but it it, it just didn't do anything for me. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, okay. I uh, I actually disagree. So, well, not disagree, but like the the yeah yeah the um the beginning. I was actually struggling to 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 pay attention. I was like, uh, I don't really know what this is about. I'm not sure if I should care. You know what I'm saying? I was like, uh, but once they really started getting into it, once they got into the thick of it, I was actually really intrigued. There was a lot of there was a lot of cool things that I I won't say cool. There were a lot of uh. Uh, things that I enjoyed and that I liked. Uh, I really liked the young kid uh, who played her son. I thought he was tremendous. I really liked just how he acted. I thought he was really a standout in a in a film with Carrie Mulligan and Ralph Fiennes. I thought he was a standout. Um, but also like, yeah, the discovery I thought was just cool. Like I said, like I don't know anything about this particular item or whatever but like you know the idea of finding something that you know has historical value that will go into a museum that will be admired that is something that you know what i'm saying you know museums fight over these things like if they if there's something like from a past decade not a past decade from a past like a century that they can get a hand on like oh my god absolutely so to me, that was that was the intriguing part was like, well, what's going to happen? You know what I'm saying? Who's going to take ownership? Um, it's it, like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? There's the, like that intrigued me a lot. And um, the, the I will say the one thing that I did not care too much for was the side story about uh, Carrie Mulligan's character, Pat, like in poor health uh, that that I was like, eh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I get it, but it wasn't it wasn't terribly important to me. Um, and also, Lily James. Yes, <laughs> Lily James. I, I don't care, Lily James. <laughs> Go ahead, KJ. I was just gonna say, um, finish this point on Lily uh, James. Yeah. <laughs> the poor health. The poor health. Um, not saying that I feel like too differently. I was just gonna say that uh, I kind of like the relationship building um, that they were doing um, between the characters. So of course the son um, and why is his name escaping me now? Jason Brown, Brown? Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown, yes, sir. Um, and of course his mother is now in poor health and Basil Brown is there. Um, and he really like relied on Basil Brown, liked to be around Basil Brown and then eventually like you know, rode his bike to Basil Brown's house and, and met Basil Brown's wife. Uh, just like the relationships that were being built there. And and I just liked the, the feeling that he was going to be okay. Like, of course we knew that like the mother was gonna pass away eventually. Um, and knowing that he he at least had somebody and that, that relationship was already established on the movie. So I liked that. I think that the, 
the poor health played a part in that. Um, not saying that it really meant all too much to the story or the way that it was handled on the story, um, but I, I do like it for that for that reason there. All right. Well, so it sounds like this is a movie that is semi-intriguing and we've got Nick back, which is great. So uh, Nick, why don't you kind of tell us your spoiler thoughts on, on The Dig? Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I missed what everybody said. I had to step out for a second. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the the overarching plot of getting this ship was, was really interesting. Um, I think Ralph Fiennes and Carrie Mulligan and... Um, Lily Collins all did Lily James. Lily James. There's two Lilies. Lily um, James. Yeah. I was gonna say they're they're both Lilies. Um but I think they all did did really well. The the one issue that I do have that holds it back slightly for me is that I feel like this is like an Iron Man two situation where there was like <laughs> too many like plot lines. Yeah, I was gonna say KJ was like, What's going on? Um, I like Iron Man two. <laughs> there there was too there was too much going on like there was the the lily james relationship with her husband and the relationship with that other guy and then carrie mulligan was starting to feel sick and with, with her heart condition and then there was you know ralph fines trying to dig up the ship and then there was the the um conflict with the you know who who gets the credit and and all that so i feel like there was a lot to cover and some like side plots didn't get the attention that either they deserved or that um, they got too much time. But overall, I thought I thought it was really good. Um, it was really intriguing how they they handled the the story of of everything. Yeah, and I think I want to uh, echo Nathan's point that I do think this would have worked better as a limited series, like a, at least a four part limited series. Yeah, I think that that would have. I don't know if I would have watched it. <laughs> honestly if it as a four-part limited series but i do think the story would have been stronger as a as a limited series but I, overall as a film though i i just i don't know i had a great time with it i think you know cinematography was really strong acting obviously i mean come on rob finds uh <laughs> you know what i'm saying i think it was really good but like yeah like nick, nick said there were a lot of different side stories that really didn't get the attention they deserved so at the end of it they kind of felt underdeveloped but overall like what with what they did with what they had i i thought it was good i thought it was yeah good. and and for me like the most intriguing part was the the dig itself like mm -hmm. that that's just the most intriguing part for me just because of everything that that was tied in with that storyline and and another storyline that that I forgot to mention was World War II was literally on the brink right, of yeah. of happening, um, which I think those two storylines work extremely well together because there was this kind of urgency and kind of like, oh, we have to make sure that we cover this back up so that it doesn't get destroyed and so that it's still here post-war and that we can continue working on it. I mean, I feel like those two storylines work really well together. I was good with the storyline with Carrie Mulligan's character and Ralph Fiennes and I kind of liked the the relationship they had and the son as well but the, the one storyline that just didn't work for me and, and and I feel like I mean it didn't take away anything from the movie but it also didn't add anything as much as I love Lily James her storyline could have been cut out completely and I feel like 
this movie would well, just be the same in my eyes, to be honest with you. There, it really doesn't detract from the movie. It really doesn't add anything to the movie. It's just, it's just kind of there. I, I would have rather had that time spent with Ralph Fiennes, Carrie Mulligan, and the actual digging. I know you disagree, Phoenix, so take it away. Oh, my stars. <laughs> I love me some Lily James. Lord. Well, no, I love Lily James, too. But... Like, Phoenix, like, <laughs> come on. Like, don't be biased here. Like, if this was an right, actress right. that you did not know, right. and you didn't know her name, would you feel the same way? Absolutely not. And, uh, yeah, you're right. That, like, like I said, I feel like those stories were underdeveloped at the end of the day. Um, but, I mean... I, I I don't know. Maybe I, I am biased because I did have I did have an appeal for for that story, mainly because of, of Lily James. But also, yeah, it could have been stronger. It definitely could have. I, I feel like I don't know when this was shot. If this was shot like at the height of Corona or something like that, maybe that's why. Because I feel like it started out like a limited series and ultimately just ended up being a movie. And maybe that's why we didn't get everything that we needed. But yeah, I like 100%, this would have been a lot stronger as a limited series. We would have been able to delve more deeper into all of these storylines, especially the war, which I thought was very intriguing that, you know, we just didn't get enough of that aspect of it. Um, but the dig itself was the heart and soul of this movie. And it was good. That that aspect of it was at least good. Yeah, and and I think um, this is like the stereotypical just just good and solid film. You yeah, know, it, it doesn't do anything to shoot itself in the foot along the way. Like I said, the the Lily James storyline doesn't detract or add anything, so I I don't really count that. But along the way, it didn't do anything to shoot itself in the foot. I think from what the story actually is of somebody digging up a ship i think they handled it really well i think it could have been really monotonous and repetitive and you do the same thing every single day but they had it a way that it was not boring but i also don't think it took that extra step to be a fantastic film yeah. i think it was just a good film i think it just with a concept like this and it's based off a true story so that's fine but like i said like some things not everything deserves to have a full-fledged movie production and i just think this story has a low ceiling i just do and it hits its low ceiling it hits all its goals it does what it's supposed to do to inform you of basil brown to inform you of a real life event that not many people knew about but at the end of the day it has a low ceiling in one biopic that i want to compare this to and Jeez, it seems like we bring this one up every <laughs> other episode now, it is Dark Waters. And this is mm. something that I feel like is similar. You know, when, when you talk about Teflon and toxic chemicals and then excavating a boat under the ground, if you said pick one of those, we're going to watch a movie about it, <laughs> I think a lot of people would be like, what? I don't want to watch either one of those. <laughs> you, you pick toxic chemicals or digging up a boat. I mean, I, but one takes drama and stakes and makes you feel tense and has these dramatic performances and nothing's wrong with the dig performances. It just felt so meh. Like, it was fine. It was good. 
it just hit its low ceiling. Yeah, and I was gonna say I feel like, and and maybe this is just a me thing, but I feel like, like I said, I wanted to know more about it. You know, they just kind of like left it off at the end, like oh, we got to cover it up. But like, what was the story? Like, what, why, who, what, when, where, why? Like about this ship. You know, I wanted to to get more of that, and obviously, I know it's kind of a a Basil Brown story, but I I, I feel like I wanted more of of that aspect. I feel like it could have been nice if they had a jump forward in time. Yeah, like, like a 50 years, 60 years later, whenever whoever decided to to dig this up again or found out about this story later on or, or whatever, like they could have done something like that. I don't know, had the discovery of it years and, later. And I feel like, hire me for a screenwriter, I feel like this would have been a fantastic movie if it was a present day story, like 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even today, where somebody, because this is based on a novel, mm-hmm. where somebody was writing a novel on this and was like, oh, let me do all this research. Like, let me go to the museum and see the artifacts. Let me go to the, the site and see and maybe like interview some people. And like, it would kind of be like, uh, uh that way like where it's in present day but there's you spend most of your time in the past because of of him writing the, the novel and him like researching all this yeah, i, I like feel that. like i feel like that would have taken it the extra step is adding that level of of extra story like uh another ralph Fiennes movie grand budapest does something similar like yeah exactly. it's the telling of a book like you have um like two people telling this story, reliving the past, saying like, let's look at this book. And then you see Ralph Fiennes and you see that whole story play out, but that's in the past or it's fictitious. I don't remember which one, but nonetheless, that's not happening in real time. I feel like it absolutely would have been much better that way. At the end of the day, like I said, it's not boring. It's not mundane. It's not poorly written or directed or anything like that. It just it's fine. It doesn't do anything over the top interesting. And I wasn't that intrigued by it. Uh, I do want to point out a few things that I enjoyed uh, technically wise, technical wise. Um, the costuming I think was fantastic for matching the the time period. I think the time, uh, the, the costuming really nailed it. Uh, I love the character. I don't remember his name. I think it was the cousin of um, Carrie Mugligan's. The, the photographer and I love like his pictures like really really captivated uh that time period just the the style of the pictures the the look of the camera the feel of everything because you know they had to recreate those images um from with with the with the uh character actors in them so that was that was uh really impressive I really liked that um yeah, so like for me, those those elements really I think brought it up a little bit for me. And again, like just discovering a story that I wasn't familiar with, that is always a plus in my eyes. Yeah, I think something that they did well was like given enough information. Um, I wish they would have given more information. But while I was watching the movie, like I was doing some research on my own just to know like the whole story and like what is actually going on, what actually happened. Um, of course, it's based on a true story, but just trying to get as much information as possible. And Phoenix, you made a good point about those pictures. Mm-hmm. And Nick, to your point about 
your screenwriting here. I'm a viewer to make this movie. Um, I like I like them going back in time while like you know they're writing the book. If yeah. they would have shown the actual pictures, um, and then shown the recreated ones, I think that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, because of course we knew that they were recreated. Um, but I wanted to see like what actually there is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have been sweet. I'm always like a fan in these biopics and with Nathan and I just watching OJ Simpson versus the people. Um, I'm always a fan of using like real footage and real pictures where where necessary. Um, uh, KJ, I don't know if you saw One Night in Miami, but in One Night in Miami, they like take a picture on the balcony and or on the roof. And I don't think that actually happened. But I was I, in the moment, I was like, let's see the real picture. Like show us <laughs> what the picture looks like. Like in, in OJ versus the people like there's literally court scenes for, on the TV that people are watching and it's, and it's our characters. And I feel like they established the characters well enough to like where you should use the real footage. Uh, but in, in this, like I would have loved to see the real pictures, the, the real footage of, of what it actually looked like. I feel like that just adds another level of realism to a biopic. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that entirely. Does anybody have anything else they want to say about the dig? Nah, it's good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and give final scores. We'll go uh, with KJ first. What's your final score for the dig? With everything that we have talked about, I think it's a very solid movie. Um, Could be better. Like we said, didn't shoot itself in the foot at all. Um, So I would probably have to go with the three and a half for me. I wish there was a little bit more there. but overall, it was a decent story um, and a nice little biopic. All right, Phoenix, what about you? I'm going to ride that three and a half with KJ as well. Uh, I, I thought it was super solid, a rewatchable film entirely. I could totally check this out again. So, uh, yeah, three and a half for me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going to, again, ride that three and a half train. Um, mm-hmm. Like KJ said, didn't shoot itself in the foot, um, didn't do anything to to have that wow factor but just an overall solid film when you think of a good solid film this is this is the dictionary definition this is the picture right next to the definition well i'm gonna go a little lower than all of you i'm gonna go with the three three stars which is still a a respectable score but it falls in that line of good but has some crucial problems category for me and, and while it doesn't have many things that you look at it and you go, wow, that was a problem. It, it's more so it just doesn't do anything to go above and beyond. You know, it just, it doesn't, it's, it's well acted. It's well made. The story needed to be told in, in, in terms of giving Basil Brown credit, but I think this would have worked better as a documentary or a limited series. I think they could have fleshed out more characters. I think they could have fleshed out the situation a little better and at the end of the day, it's a fine movie that, for me personally, just hit its low ceiling. So we got three and a half and a three. All right, let's move on. The film code. You are now the film code. Start program. Yes, we are at that time. It is film code. It was my code word this week after 
war for the last two weeks between Hopefully KJ actually had the code word. He did more than he a couple did. hours in advance. He did <laughs> after war for the last two weeks between Phoenix and Nick, because <laughs> they were just throwing jabs at each other. And I got to sit here and watch uh, Phoenix. For those who are unaware, Phoenix copped out and used a movie that had 18 or 23 <laughs> 62 producers and uh, kind of lied to us a little bit and uh nick nick felt victimized and <laughs> impossible so we are back on the normal train um after the great war has ended but nonetheless <laughs> just like in real life the great war there's always a world war ii right right <laughs> nonetheless I picked the normal code word this week. <laughs> I actually hope you guys get it. I really do because I feel like I feel like this one was was kind of the definition of film code. It, it required a little bit of research, but was not too difficult. Um, so I will go ahead and give you my clues. And like I said, I hope you guys get it. I really do. So my code word was women, plural. My code. My clues, excuse me, featured tons of Oscar stuff. So the first clue is that two Oscar winners who won for their performance are in this movie. So not like Michael Keaton was in Birdman and Birdman won Best Picture. No, like they won an Oscar for their performance. Uh, My second clue was it features an additional three actors who were nominated for performances at some point, but they did not win. It was 2014 to 2019, so nice little five-year gap there and then a bonus one of the supporting or one of the actors is a supporting role in mcu phase three and if we're going by least points to most points that means kj you're gonna kick us off here (laughs) what do you think you see so nathan finally got me the cold word on time and um, i've done that the last few times you've been i don't know what you're talking about uh, and anyway, let me just do my little spiel here. I'm still kind of disappointed that I put all of my effort into the last one and still got it wrong. So, out of me not being able to handle any more disappointment, I didn't do all too much research. Mm-hmm. But I think I have a decent one. Um, so I'm just gonna go Ocean's Eight, right? Mm. A lot of wonderful women, wonderful actresses in there. Um, and then Kate Blanchett was in Thor Ragnarok. And I'm just going to keep it at that. Whoever's next can go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Phoenix is next. So, Phoenix, you told me you were confident in this selection. So, like I said, I hope someone gets it right. So, Phoenix, you're confident. Let's hear it. And tell us how you arrived. Oh, man. I didn't even think of Ocean's 8. That's a good guess. Crap. Oh, damn. I- Damn, I hope I'm riding the train, baby. We win oh, it together. We look sick. <laughs> oh, damn. All right. Now I feel, I don't know how I feel about my pick. All right. But so you said 2014 to 2019. I went with a movie that was 2018. Uh, you said two of the actors had won an Oscar, correct, for their performance? Yes. All right. Viola Davis won for Fences, and Robert Duvall has won an Oscar. I don't remember for what movie. Uh, three people who were nominated for Oscars. Liam Neeson was nominated for Schindler's List. Cynthia Erivo was nominated for Harriet. And Daniel Kaluuya was nominated for Get Out. 
and Daniel Kalua was in Black Panther, which is in phase three of the MCU. So I went with 2018's Widows, directed by Steve McQueen. All right. You were confident, so... I was confident. And I actually watched this movie, too. So. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Well, Nick, you are the leader uh, yes. in this sense. So what yes. do you got? And I did the same research that Phoenix did. Ah, uh, nice. And Robert Duvall actually won for Tender Mercies um, yeah. in, like, the 80s or something like that. So going with Widows as well. Kind of split. I My first guess with, was with KJ with Ocean's 8, but... That's a good one. I don't think enough people won for or got nominated slash won. So we'll see. All right. Well, those all good guesses. Thank you all for doing the research. Um, like I said, I would be happy if people got it, and I am because Phoenix and Nick got it. Yes. Correct. yes. So <laughs> it was widows, by Queen, women, widows. You know, yeah. I don't think I need to explain anyone for that. Viola Davis. And Robert Duvall have one best actor and best actress. And then exactly how Phoenix laid it out, exactly how Nick uh, put it down. Liam Neeson, Daniel Kaluuya, and Cynthia Erivo all have been nominated at some point. Um, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, and Liam Neeson for Schindler's List. None of them have won the award, unless they're still nominated. And Daniel Kaluuya, of course, is in Black Panther. So... That is correct. I'm happy you guys got it. What's the score total at now, Phoenix? Uh, KJ, unfortunately, still sits I'm at zero. I'm uh, I now have four, finally. Uh, Nick, I believe, now is at six. And uh, Nathan, you're still at eight? I think I'm uh, up two now. Yeah, yeah so yeah. so Nick's closing in on you, and I'll get there eventually. So <laughs> We got we to gotta get KJ on the board. Uh, so uh, Nick, did you actually watch Widows or did you? Okay. Well, I watched it and um Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear yeah, the review. Non-spoiler. Non non-spoiler. Uh so I've been wanting to watch this movie forever. I don't know why it just kept slipping my radar, but uh so this was this gave me a this gave me a great opportunity to watch this film. Um unfortunately, I was I'm I'm not high on it. It was uh not that great of a film. Uh, like Viola Davis, I think, is great in it. Um, and and Daniel Kaluuya, I think, is fantastic in it. This cast, though, this yeah, cast the, is great. Yeah, the Absolutely. cast is the cast is insane. Unfortunately, the story isn't as strong as as tight as I would have hoped. Um, so there's that. But I do think Daniel Kaluuya and Viola Davis have some incredibly standout scenes in it. So it's worth checking out at least for them. But ultimately, I don't think it was that strong of a film. All right, well, we got one more thing to do here on Film Code. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Obviously, it'll be a week removed from the Super Bowl when we uh, when this episode gets released. So we got to know what everybody's thoughts on the Super Bowl are, who's going to win, what's the score, and uh, how's that halftime show from the weekend? Yeah, you can, you can listen to this and either look back at us and laugh, or you could say, ooh, they low-key predicted the future. So, um, Phoenix. Throw the Super Bowl MVP in there, too. Yeah, Phoenix, mm. let, let's, let's hear. What do you think? I think we're in in for a really close game and a uh, very intense one, but I don't think we're going to see a high-scoring one at the very least. I don't think it's going to reach the 30s or 40s. So, I'm going 
21 to 28 bucks. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady as your MVP. Uh, seven rings. He will be the GOAT of all of football as much as that pains my soul. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't see I don't see Brady losing. And um, I think I think weekend will do all right, but he won't he won't top uh, Shakira and J Lo from last year. So <laughs> you did not just say that, Phoenix. I did. Shakira J Lo was the shit. <laughs> okay, KJ, what do you think? <laughs> um, back over the edge, KJ. <laughs> uh, a little a little different um, on Phoenix there. Um, picking the Bucks, but I believe that is going to be oh, high scoring here. Um, I believe it is going to be high scoring here with a score of 38 to 35. And, well, I mean, come on now. It's Brady. Both teams have a plethora of weapons. They're going to put up some points. And, I mean, Brady is Brady. So, so we'll see. On the weekend, not that high on the weekend, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what he can do. Weekend's just really not my style. <laughs> no, no love for the weekend. Well, the only – uh, I gotta go the other way on these guys. We got the first ever Super Bowl matchup between the two top passing offenses in the league. Um, I think this will be a, a high scoring battle, but I think just watching Kansas City toy with the third best team in football two weeks ago, um, like, like they were, uh, like a mouse chasing cheese, like that was just out of reach. Um, I think this is going to be 41 to 28. I think the Chiefs are going to run away with this. I think it's going to be close in the first half, but we got the goat of rings and we got the uh, the best talented quarterback in a long time in Pat Mahomes. And I think that defense is too talented. Pat Mahomes is too talented. He'll get a second ring. Going with the Chiefs. The only reason I have this shirt is because I lost a bet, which has to still be completed today. So, Chiefs <laughs> all the way, baby. And uh, the weekend, solid performance. I love love me some blinding lights. That that commercial's lit. So <laughs> better than Shakira and J Lo. Not at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully, some good commercials in there too. I don't have any rooting interest in this game. Um, as as you may know, my team was throttled. Our team, excuse me, was throttled by the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. I don't have any bad will for them because of that or anything like that. And I don't have any ill will towards Brady. I, I really do not care who wins this game. I really don't. Of course, I'm a huge football fan, just like everyone here. Football and movies is, is kind of my whole hobby uh, basis, but nonetheless, I, I don't really care who wins. I'm just hoping it's a good game. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be a good game. I'm going 38-23. Yes, 38-23. Wow. Nice, comfortable 15-point win for the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think Pat Mahomes, you can sit here and say Brady's Brady, and, and trust me, I know that. Sure. But Pat Mahomes is the most talented quarterback in the league, the most talented player in the league. Travis Kelsey is just going to dominate that Bucks D, and and I think the Chiefs get a comfortable win, 38-23. I'll sit here and I'll say Travis Kelsey's your your Super Bowl MVP. Oh, I forgot my Super Bowl. And the weekend is going to bang. They're just, they're it's just going to bang. I mean, they're going to be great. So can't wait for that. It's going to be a fun night. Hopefully, 
one, I mean, one of us going to be right. One of these two teams is going to win. So um, nonetheless, maybe you're laughing at us in the future when you're <laughs> listening to this, or maybe you think we're geniuses when the chiefs win 38, 23, nonetheless, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to film code. Let's revert back to what we're good at talking about. Um, we reviewed Malcolm and Marie and the dig today next week. Well, by the time you're listening to this, we will have already talked about it. But next week, we will be discussing Judas and the Black Messiah, Ooh. and then Nomadland, and then The Father. So the next three weeks are all jam-packed with massive 2020 releases that are releasing in 2021. Massive, massive Oscar implications. Judas and the Black Messiah, Nomadland, The Father. You do not want to miss us review these movies we will be talking about the oscars we'll be talking about our predictions this is a fire time to become a listener of film code so what you can do is you can however you listen to us find our other episodes listen to our side segments we do wandavision reviews we do side segments we do full-fledged episodes just like this there are hours upon hours of content for you to listen to make sure you follow the show over on twitter and instagram at film code pod we do so many great stuff to interact with you guys over there. If you're not following us on Twitter or Instagram at Film Code Pod, you're definitely missing out. There's ways to get shouted out on the show. There's a way to do Q&As with us. There's ways to do a bunch of different stuff. All you got to do is give a follow and interact with us over there. So with all of that said, I'd like to shout these guys out where you can find them. KJ, thank you so much again for joining us. We love when you're able to come on and, and talk film with us. Where can the people find you, KJ? Yes, sir. Always a great time being here with you all as well. Um, you can find me on basically all social media at Kurt Jr. K-U-R-T-J-U-N-I-O-R underscore. Um, as well as LinkedIn, Kurt Russell Jr. You know, we need those connections, <laughs> business men and women out here. So feel free to connect as we go into this industry. Also on Letterboxd now. So, uh, you look sweet. <laughs> we love to hear that. <laughs> All right, Nick, where can the people find you? Yep, you can find me on Letterboxd at Nick Spain. Um, lots of fun stuff going on over there. So, And we have a new Instagram for Film Code, so make sure you go follow that. Uh, Phoenix wrongly posted the top 10 for uh, Pixar, but he Thanks, reverted course. <laughs> All right, Phoenix. Yeah, and you guys can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1, that's the number one, and on Letterboxd under P.A. Cloudin. And as always, please follow the show now on Twitter and Instagram at FilmCodePod. Yes, and my name's Nathan Pig. It was an absolute pleasure talking about movies with these guys today and every week. You can follow me on Letterboxd at NathanPig, but I'd prefer you follow the show over on Twitter at FilmCodePod. If you haven't got that message yet, Maybe you should go ahead and do it. If you've listened to us this far into the episode, chances are you like what we have to say. Make sure you keep up with us. Like I said, these next three weeks are going to be absolute bangers for episodes. So you definitely don't want to miss. Thank you, KJ. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Phoenix. This has been Film Code. Peace.